Before we start, we just wanted to say up front, thank you for listening. If this episode, or UX Podcast in general, gives you joy, then please visit uxpodcast.com slash support and say thank you by giving us a one-off donation or a repeating donation from just a few dollars a month to hundreds of corona. And by funding UX Podcast together with James and myself, we can hopefully bring you eight more years of an independently curated UX podcast. Thank you for being wonderful. UX Podcast Episode 214. You're listening to UX Podcast, coming to you from Stockholm, Sweden. We are your hosts, James Roy Lawson and Pad Axboom, helping the UX community explore ideas and share knowledge since 2011, with listeners in 186 countries, from Ghana to Japan. And today we have for you a link show, which essentially means, if you haven't heard one before, that we choose two links. It used to be a lot more. It used to be three. But we talk, we talk so much about these links. So that we had to shorten it down to two, two links that we discuss, that we found on our digital travels, James. <laughs> Notice that I, I'm the one who normally does this kind of little <laughs> spiel. But. And um, the first one that we're going to be talking about is Dark Patterns at Scale. Findings from a crawl of 11,000 shopping websites. It's a new study coming out of Princeton University and University of Chicago. And the um, second article we'll be discussing today is Lost in Translation. Epic Goes to Denmark by Arthur Allen um, on Politico. Um, About an epic failure in the procurement of a digital health platform. First article. Dark Patterns at Scale, Findings from a Crawl of 11,000 Shopping Websites. Now, this is an article and, of course, a research paper um, produced by a group of seven researchers. And I'm not going to read out all the names, sorry, no. but there, there's a lot of names. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but there are seven researchers from um, Princeton University and Chicago University. Um, and I think this, this, was, this, in, this study is super interesting. I love it. Um, now, <clears throat> what the group did, they um, analyzed um, the 11,000 most popular shopping websites. Um, and as far as I'm aware, it's the first um, time anyone's done an automated um, analysis of, of dark patterns at scale. Mm. And 11,000 is, is, is a lot. And by popular, they mean the most visited websites. Yeah, and this is where I, I think it's important for us to, to, to look a little bit what by them, look a bit about what they mean by eleven thousand most popular shopping websites because that's one of those headline things. But yeah. it's a it's a it's a research paper, so there's got to be a proper definition behind this. Now, um, what they did do is they took um, the top websites from Alexa. The, um, is it, it's Alexa. The, the, yeah. the website um, with all the data about all websites. Mm. They took the top 361,000 websites. Um, and out of that sample, mm-hmm. they chose 500 at random and went through those manually and classified them as shopping website, not shopping website. Right. That then, well, that fa- sample of 500, which they'd classified, they fed that back in and used machine learning to reclassify all the other 
sites in the 360,000, um, mm -hmm. 61,000 sample. That gave them um, a sample size, sample set of 46,000 websites that were deemed to be um, shopping mm. worldwide. Yeah. Um, now, they wanted just English-speaking sites, mm -hmm. which if you wanted to criticize this analysis, it is this particular moment in their in their um, sample size creation yeah. or sample creation that they used they went through the 46,000 and used language analysis to filter out just the English ones mm -hmm. um, which they were going to use for the study yeah because I mean they're doing language analysis they're so doing it, yeah um, it would be immensely difficult for them to do it in every language ex exactly mm -hmm. they're um, they're actually limiting their research this paper does limit itself to the text the the words that are used yeah. um, and how that's used in dark patterns mm -hmm. not um, visual things such as color mm. or imagery and so on. Um, so yeah, so the language is key, and it would have been a much more complicated study mm. if they started to have to to do um, um, translations or a kind of mapping of of, of um, phrases and so on between various languages and cultures right. to to get the information. So I understand why they've done it, and it's still an absolutely excellent study. I'm not I'm not kind of dismissing it because of that. <laughs> I'm just highlighting that it is yeah. a, it is a limitation. Is that yeah, it's I'm, I'm thinking of this as a start. I mean, it's a fantastic thing to do and there's so much interesting stuff in this paper but it's a start and it gives a lot of other people something to build on yeah and it's a they can use you can mm. use their system and, and what they've done to, mm. to do other cultures or other language sets because they put everything on github yeah so um so anyway from that from the nineteen thousand english shopping sites top shopping sites mm. um they successfully managed to crawl um the shopping uh, product page and the checkout of eleven thousand of them mm. so when they say the top eleven thousand websites um, it's actually not. It's a, it's um, it's the top eleven thousand um, English language shopping websites worldwide that they managed to successfully crawl. Yeah, that during the algorithm could identify the shopping cart and the checkout page. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think there might have been other errors, possible errors in yeah, the yeah. crawling process, but ultimately that's what you're talking about. Yeah. So it, it's, but it's a, it's a massive sample set anyway. So it has a lot of really interesting mm. things. Now, also equally as interesting is what they've done is create a, a dark pattern taxonomy, mm. which defines and characterizes the the, um, um, the problematic nature of each dark pattern by, by classifying them um, on how they influence users. So they have um, um, asymmetric covert, deceptive, hides information, restrictive. They were the dimensions mm. in their taxonomy. And when they ran the analysis on the 11,000 sites, they found um, 15 different types of dark patterns mm. across seven categories. And those seven categories are sneaking, urgency, misdirection, social proof, scarcity, obstruction, and forced action. And for me, this is one of the big, big values of this study is actually that categorization of these different patterns. Mm. Because... To address something, we need a better language to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that is what they are providing here. They're providing a really good language for talking about what different types of dark patterns are out there and being used. Yeah. And also, mm -hmm. uh, in addition to the categorization and the, um, the dimensions, the taxonomy, mm -hmm. um, they also um, highlight which um, cognitive bias, if any, mm -hmm. is associated with that category of dark pattern. Yeah. So, for example, um, for... for um, urgency, which is one of the categories, the cognitive bias associated with that mm. is scarcity bias. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and some of them don't have any mm. biases attached, but some some of them have multiple. Now, uh, yeah, from an from an economics perspective, 
I love dark patterns. I think it's it's a fascinating. <laughs> I mean, I don't love them as I want you to use them more. I, you I should <clears> see <throat> James's face now. It's like is it this evil genius? <laughs> oh my god, I love no, these dark it, patterns. Oh, the thing is, I, I I love I love the concept of dark patterns, or I, I love how it's it's. Um, a I rarely see the, you this excited. Oh, it's like well, design and design and economics meet. You see, I do love it. They, because basically, dark patterns are, are a result um, in the failure of market forces. Um, it, you know, informa- insufficient information has been available or revealed to one party in the transaction, mm-hmm. um, resulting in a distortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that distortion is then shifting the price equilibrium because you can't understand the true value mm. of what you're buying because you've been manipulated. It's been hidden from you. You're paying more, you're paying more than you expect mm. for something you didn't know you were buying. So there's a lot of distortion going on there. So dark patterns are a form of market distortion, mm. um, which is perfectly, you know, in economic theory, this is perfectly you know, explained. And it's, mm. it's kind of something that's not a surprise. It's just interesting to see it um, in the wild at such scale mm. um, and, and to see what happens when you do distort the market through... Um, through through, in, through the availability of information and and um, and the way in which it's presented to 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 buyers to restrict their understanding and restrict their um, ability to value what their um, what the transaction they're getting. It's into. interesting to me because that all, in these cases it could also be the case that the provider of the service, i.e., the seller, doesn't actually themselves even know what's going on because what they found here was that they're using also third-party software and plugins and, and tools. Yeah. yeah to to well provide their websites and some of those third party tools are the ones who implement the dark patterns mm. which means that some of the s- sellers could actually also be unaware of what's going on yeah well actually it's yeah it's not even always just the the, the website some mm. of these are tools that you use for features mm. you know for add-ons and, and so on like a, it could be a wordpress plugin or something ah yes or, okay it's a top site so maybe mm. there's something more than so but that collects data yeah it could be a yeah it could be mm. something that's um that's creating recommended lists or, or including social proof. Mm. There are other tools that you add to do these mm. things. Um, and you're right. So uh, I'm going to go back to that point in the because it is a really important point uh, that comes from the study. But the, the, the kind of big figure, I guess, at the end of the study was um, they found at least, at least one dark pattern on 11.2% of the 11,000 mm. uh, websites in their, their sample. Mm. And what they found is they don't actually, I didn't see the number, but they said that in many cases, out of that 11.2%, so what's that, um, about 1,200, yes. 1,100, 1,200 websites, mm-hmm. many cases, the dark patterns were enabled by these third-party um, tools right. that you're, you're, you're talking about. Um, which I think gets us into that question, how, and we've, we've seen many industries over the years where, um, you, you, there's this debate and discussion about do you do you regulate or ban the the use of something mm. or do you regulate or ban the production of something so at the moment we've got the situation where we do have laws and regulations um, you know consumer protection and and so on yeah. that prohibits certain dark patterns but we have no regulation and the, i think the report highlights this mm. that there there is very limited regulation that prevents the creation and sale of tools that enable dark patterns. Oh, I hate it when you get into nitty-gritty and there are just these wordings of different regulations and you can get you find loopholes around it. Well, yeah, so, so, mm. so it's a kind of a blame mm. game. Mm. At the moment, the leg- legislation prevents companies mm. who are selling 
the actual yeah. websites sell, the, the websites um, that provide products mm. those can't employ certain mm. data patterns like you, you've got to actively opt in you can't be forced to opt out from like marketing and so on yeah. um, in the EU, EU anyway but there's nothing stopping those companies buying services that enable the kind of automatic opt-in and so on. So the, the onus becomes on them to make sure they've disabled it. So as long as there's a middleman, you're sort of home free. That's, it sounds crazy. The, the, but yeah, well, this, yeah. yeah the peop- if you're the yeah. one creating these tools, mm. you're, you're free. Yeah. Um, it's the ones that are... Um, Employing used, it. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, maybe this is a bit of a... Uh, I don't know, maybe it's a relevant example, but I mean, we had uh, over centuries, you've had the debate about, do you outlaw prostitution? Mm-hmm. Or do you outlaw the, the purchasers buyer, yeah. of those services? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a similar-ish kind of you know, argument, I guess. Um, who's, 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 who's the one you, who are you trying to protect and, and who's the root cause? What is the best way of stopping it? Do you stop, do you stop um, pe- people from um, uh, employing uh, dark patterns on their websites? Or do you stop the people from providing the service? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's fa- it, mm. So there's so many mm. fascinating aspects to this. It's fascinating from an economics perspective. Mm. It's fascinating from a design perspective. And it's, it's fascinating from a regulation perspective. And also, it's, I mean, it's, it, uh, you could also argue that maybe you would have expected there to be more dark patterns or more websites and a higher percentage of websites. Uh, but I'd pencil that down to there are limitations to the study, like you've mentioned some with the... It's, it doesn't do any visual dark patterns. Also, they've uh, pinpointed a couple of types of pages. So not all types of pages on websites have been included. And, and sometimes the, the, the automated tool actually has not been able to crawl certain pages. Yeah, I know some mm. of the examples mm. of, of things that aren't covered mm. are, for example, they didn't take into account text size. Right. So if you've got the classic thing with a, a giant mm. button in a certain color mm. with big text, mm. and then next to it is tiny text Low contrast, gray on gray. Yeah, yeah. Then it's not going to be covered in this. Yeah. Um, and also, and I would say that that's quite a common one, without mm-hmm. the empirical evidence to back <laughs> us up. Um, but you, yeah, mm-hmm. we know these exist, mm-hmm. and also we know that um, in some cu- some cultures are, I wouldn't say more ruthless, but there's there's there's, a, there's maybe a, a more of an accepted culture with trickery. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not equal worldwide. We've got legislation that's not equal mm-hmm. worldwide. So they specifically um, call it deception in the study. Actually. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I like that. So I, I think some mm-hmm. in some cultures, mm-hmm. then deception is going to be more mm-hmm. accepted, deployed, mm-hmm. um, less regulated. Uh, we just mm-hmm. see the difference between USA and, and EU. Mm-hmm. Just there, yeah. there's a big difference in what's allowed. And they do mention a lot of. The, I mean, in the EU, some of these are actually breaking the law. Yeah. And I have very little limited mm. knowledge mm. about um, equivalent re- legislation in, say, um, Japan. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, the cultures mm. that are very mm. different to, to the ones I live in and mm. work in, and I have no idea, actually. Mm. But for me, I mean, this is the type of study that the world re- needs right now. We need more of these studies to actually make more people aware, spark the discussions, to talk about what systems do we need to put in place to make sure that customers of companies and organizations aren't in the dark about what's going on and how can we protect their interests and how can we make sure they're not harmed Mm. at the expense of companies making more and more and more money even though you do say that they 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 call this deception in some Mm. places Mm. i think the the report is is light on prescription it's light on kind of laying blame or trying to say you know really that this is 
the impact. Mm. Um, this is what it means to people. They, they point out mm. the cognitive biases in use, um, but they don't go as far as saying what this means in terms of, of harm. No, but they, they encourage others to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I think it, I like mm. I actually do like the mm. fact that this is a report focusing mm. on the data, mm. and which allows mm. possibly people to do a little bit what we're doing mm. now, provide some commentary, yeah, um, and maybe some more impact. You, mm. I mean, you could potentially even do medical studies based on kind of people who've been subjected to these mm. kind of sites. You know, how do they how do they feel? Does it does mm. it impact on their lives in different ways? Um, mm. You know. We all know you get a buzz from buying stuff online. How was that buzz when you found that you've had a a, a five dollar item pushed into your basket without you knowing about it? Mm. You know what does that mean? Does, what impact yeah. does that have in your in your on your life? Do you have five dollars less than to buy food? Mm. It, there's there's so much more that you could look into on so many different angles. Exactly, and this is opening the pathway to do that. Mm. So I think even if we, I mean, we've touched on the limitations. They are very open about the limitations. They're very open. I mean, it's a I mean, university study. It's research. It's it's done very well, uh, and it, they're explaining very well how to make use of the tool they built. What else you could find out about it as well? So get out there and do some papers for us. So, lost in translation, Epic goes to Denmark. Uh, Epic, uh, in this scenario, in this article is an American software platform intended to make it easier for doctors in healthcare systems uh, to work, share patient information, and keep tabs on costs. So uh, healthcare providers use the systems to store patient data and share it uh, with others. And this is interesting because you have an American healthcare system that was implemented in Denmark. And what you need to know about healthcare systems in America versus Denmark is that they're vastly different. So you kind of, you presume that, I mean, it's like, you know, you're taking care of patients. I mean, how different can it be? That's very true. Uh, And you'd even assume that you sort of have the same diagnoses and uh, the same words for different illnesses. But of course, they are different languages. Hence, the title, Lost in Translation. I mean, in the US, uh, Denmark, like Sweden, has a socialized health, uh, medicine. So we, that means really a lot of the stuff is free. Well, Where, it means you, you don't pay via insurance. Exactly. You pay via your taxes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The article had an interesting figure. I think it was 19% of GDP in America goes on healthcare mm. via an insurance-based system. Yeah. Whereas I think it was 10% of GDP in Denmark goes on healthcare via the tax system. Interesting, yes. Mm. So, for example, one major difference in this software would be that there's a lot of focus on billing mm. in the American system, mm. whereas that's not as necessary in Denmark. Or rather, it's not the it's not the goal of the system in Denmark. Yeah, I think that was also that was a. I'm, I'm butting into your introduction no, a little go, bit, go but, ahead. but that was the one that was kind mm. of like, oh my word, mm. like the fundamental mm. goal of the system in America mm. is to make billing mm. more efficient because the system. Because the, the the healthcare system mm. isn't actually a healthcare system, mm. it's a it's it's a profit based system for earning money. No, I mean yeah, that's, I that's what yeah, it is. It is. Um, and then um, whereas in in Denmark, mm. the goal of the system is to support patient care, mm. not to make billing more efficient because billing doesn't you no, don't bill it doesn't factor so the, in so in the, the same fundamental way. goal mm. so when you're when you're doing mm. the kind of like you know that um, effect mapping at the start yeah. of your project mm. it's okay we need a system mm. why what's the mm. goal of our system mm. they're two fundamentally different pillars you're mm. building these systems on yeah 
speaking of effect mapping, none of that work was being done here. And that is, of course, the interesting thing with this article and realizing this is a huge, huge system. It was implemented in two regions in, in Denmark, but there was basically no research going on, no talking to the actual people working within the hospitals, within the healthcare systems. In Denmark. Exactly. Uh, but it was a system. Epic is quite well known. It's been implemented in lots of places in the U.S., and it's been very successful. So it seems, like you said in the beginning, it seems like, well, we could, we need a healthcare system. Let's buy that one. Uh, it clearly works. It clearly works because it's been implemented successfully in many places. So thinking it would be a shortcut mm. to mm. success. And one very, very simple thing they did not have was translation, of course, to Danish. Mm. <laughs> Which would seem an obvious thing. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that they promised, yes, once we deliver, we'll deliver it in Danish. And mm. that seems either from a cost perspective or a time frame perspective, what they ended up doing was basically using Google Translate from English to Danish. I see now... Mm. Uh, I've been involved in mm. one of those mm. situations. It's um, insane. It's dog shit. I mean, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> <clears throat> we we know because we're in a we're in a, a non English speaking country. Yeah. Um, uh, go on. Why doesn't it work, Per? Well, one example is uh, C section, which uh, oh, a cesarean. That's, that's yes. when you're pregnant. And you have, you don't deliver a birth. You have naturally. It, you you have an operation. It's an emergency birth procedure. Yeah. In the Danish system, it was translated and referred to as an executive suite as in the C-suite. And of course, and this people will understand as well, the word right in English... So left and right. Left and right. The word right can mean both the opposite to left, but also the correct one. Mm. So in their amputation advice in the system, they, they, uh, or what, what leg was supposed to be amputated when it was in the system, you had to check a box that said either the left leg or the correct leg. (laughs) <laughs> which is just i mean it's just insanely wrong but but this is this is the this is the problem and mm. i've seen this mm. been part of when you've done the the quick cheap dirty option using google mm. translate you you strip the translation of its context mm. and and you can end up with oh i mean even even if you use professional translators if you strip them of the context mm. they don't know how it's going to be used so they can't choose mm. and this is a real problem with like Swedish we, we, we've we got a lot less words in Swedish than we have in, in English mm-hmm. um, I mean I think it's it's something ridiculous like this I mean it, it, it's it's multi, it's five times as many words as something in English than mm. there is in Swedish it's, it's, it's crazy so when you've got seven words to choose from in English that mean roughly the same thing just a little nuances difference mm. we have one in Swedish yeah but the other way around then gets really complicated. You can you know, which of the English words do you choose when you have that one? Mm. F- oh, that At least we have 50 words for snow. We do. <laughs> so, of course, I mean, people like ourselves, there are people working on this project with the implementation of the system, realizing this is not working. This is not going to work. Mm. So they tried to delay it. And they got the answer no. We we test it as we go. We just implement it. We go live. There were no pilots. There were no tests. And this is where this is you you just said now. This is a healthcare system <laughs> that healthcare professionals mm. use for journaling mm. and prescribing mm. treatment and medicine to people who mm. who, are, who are ill. Yeah. And they're launching. Mm. They're hot launching a system with no testing and no pilots. Mm. But that's just absolutely... And it's a huge, huge national-wide 
product, project. It's only implemented in two regions, mind you, but they're sharing data from those systems, of course, and you can fall ill whenever you're traveling. So, I mean, everybody's affected, of course, by this. My God, I mean, did the, uh, did the people know that, I presume that the, the, the patients, the potential patients, they had no, no idea they were going to be guinea pigs in that way? Of course not. I mean, the nurses didn't know they were going to be guinea pigs. They were playing with they came, lives. They came to work, like, on a Monday, and the whole IT system was changed. Holy And they couldn't, they couldn't document the work. They couldn't understand what was going on. So live, in real life, they were being exposed to a system they, they had not seen before. But that must have pulled And them. they're supposed to be careful. But that system. must have crushed them. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I could not imagine what that would mean in an environment like that, where they're already very stressed, easy to burn out. And people who are, mm. are, are, are caring and impassioned yes. have a huge amount of empathy, which is mm. why they do the job they do. Mm. You've then dumped mm. an untested, unpiloted system mm. on them, and people are suffering because they can't control the system. Yeah. And they can't help the patient that they're trying to help, and they can't uh, get the medicine out that they need to get for the patient. I mean, it's just insane. Hence the why we call it the epic failure. Uh, epic is a weird name for it. <laughs> I mean, so... This is, I mean, this is a classic textbook example of everything that could go wrong really did. Uh, and there's also, interestingly enough, uh, some examples of alternative systems in Denmark. There's one that's been uh, been used in, uh, since 2002 called Systematic. And, uh, in another region. In another region. Uh, it's quite widespread. It's had its problems, the article says. But user, user satisfaction is high because physicians are deeply involved in building it. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's just... There's your clue. <laughs> this would be a fantastic use case at a UX conference. This is how you not, don't do it. I mean, it's, it's just insane. But this is what I really loved about uh, what it said as to why some regions implemented this and not others. So why systematic is being developed in Western Denmark. Okay? So different regions compete with each other. And I, I can attest to this. It's the same in Sweden. Different regions compete with each other mm. with different tools. And they buy different tools. They procure different tools. And the other regions copy the other regions. Right. I go first. Also, but they would never have picked the systematic tool in the other regions. Some cynics say, I mean, this is not confirmed, simply because it was created in Western Denmark. Oh. Oh. So them being in conflict with each, with each other, so they want to do it better. They want to play the trump card. So, so the example here would be, Stockholm mm. wouldn't implement the system that Gothenburg right. created. So actually, in Gothenburg and Malmö have implemented American systems quite recently. It's, yeah. it's, uh, things are happening there as well. Yeah. So, I mean, efficiency, obviously, very much down. Uh, a mid-2018 report. This has been going on, going on for a while, mind you. I mean, we've been reading about it now, but people haven't been talking about it widely across the world. Because yeah, it's, it, four years now? So mm-hmm. it's three, four years, I think, it's been going on. So in an area uh, where Epic was implemented, 57% of their heart patients had to wait more than 30 30 days for appointments. In other areas, 4%. 4% versus 57% in an Epic area. Mm. I mean, you you can just look at the numbers. I mean, that's what's so wonderful about this. You can see the numbers. Um, Fully 60% expressed deep dissatisfaction with the epic system among the physicians. So, yes, <laughs> just don't do it like this. There, I mean, you could go through a, a UX um, project model and see, check off this, check off this. They didn't check off anything. They mm-hmm. just threw it out there. But it also is a testament to uh, 
what some people like to call an agile way of working where they actually put stuff out there in front of people and see if it works. Mm. Uh, I see there's a quote here mm. um, that the, um, um, the, the, the authorities, dis- uh, f- um, the region followed what they described as epic strategy. Throw it all out there, mm. fix the problems later, build the road while you're traveling down it. Mm. Which, when you're talking about a system that's, um, you know, for a region of, mm. of Denmark with 18 hospitals mm. and, and 2.8 million people, that's a hell of a mm. scary strategy. Move fast and break things. That's essentially what it's saying. Well, move, move fast, break people. Yeah. And I mean, and the, and that's an interesting thing about that is that I believe that that is how a lot of people interpret the way things move in an agile world. Whereas... The other system, I think, was a really good example of systematic is also moving fast, but they're moving fast with pilots and tests and co-creation. So they're not putting things live until they're very confident that people understand it, they they have the correct education, because this was also a part of it, of course, people were not educated in the new system. They had to learn as they go along. I mean, this um, at the very end of this article, Mm. um, they, they... Talk about, or the, they bring up the, um, it was the health ministry's mm. digital director says, um, you know, at one point I thought, this isn't right for us. Mm. Um, and then adds, but well, Epic is too big to fail. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah. they spent such a huge mm. amount of money. And this is one of the things we've mm. seen with when you, it's good money chasing bad, that the, you, mm. things get so big, you can't, you can't afford to replace them. Yeah. Um, and then you just have to live to so in that case you do have to just fix it as you go along because you've invested so much um, um, which and the compl- as we know the complexity of these big systems and big projects this, um, time and time again we see we hear these failure stories we've had mm. the police system here in Sweden yes. which um, is massive mm. failure we've had we've had similar stories with um, as mm. Jonas Söderström shared mm. with us about um, um, uh, medical systems which have have been you know, pushed mm. in and, mm. and don't really work and, and similar to the Danish experience not working. Mm. Um, but you also have the example of someone was actually pulling the emergency cord saying we need to stop, we can't do this, mm. but they went ahead anyway. Yeah. So there's that culture as well of mm. understanding when you need to stop because people, smart people are saying there's going to be trouble. Mm. And trouble at this scale is a huge problem. Mm. But I also can't help thinking if you fail this big, then uh, it will be a long time before you fail this big again. Because now you, everybody has a project to point to and say, we don't want a repeat of that. <laughs> oh, but the thing is, and what, I, what I'd be worried about here is, is, is of course, complexity at scale. Mm. Um, that, you know, these systems of this size, there, there are so many integrations. Mm. Um, there are so many use cases, um, so many nuances that um, there, you can't implement a system. I think, like you say, you've got mm. to you've got to work tightly, closely, and and continuously mm. with specific groups of people yeah. to make sure all the little bits are working. You can't just have one team working at a national level or whatever, mm. and and implementing bam mm. healthcare system. There you go. We mm. bought it off a shelf over there. Yeah. We've just changed a few names. We think it'll work. <laughs> no, but it, I mean just. Just thinking about that, just thinking about that this could happen. I mean, with our experience, it just seems so mindless. It's just impressive almost that it can go this far Mm. and be implemented at such a large scale 
without anyone taking the responsibility of actually just pausing it and making sure that are we doing okay. Mm. It's just a way of hurting people that's on a scale that's just unfathomable. So, thank you for spending time with us today. And as always, links and notes from this episode can be found on uxpodcast.com. And some recommended listening for you after this um, is 100... Oh, well, I've got two of you here. Um, one of them, of course, is episode 150, which is Dark Patterns with Harry Brignall. Oh, and Harry was, is also part of the report, the research report. Well, he can't not be. He was the guy yeah. that coined the phrase. Exactly. Um, and episode 145, um, Complexity. Mm. With Jonas Söderström, where we talk about just this aspect of, mm. of large systems and the, the issues of integration and the complexity that's created when you have multiple systems that need to be integrated. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. web designers play hide-and-seek? I don't know. What time of day do web designers play hide-and-seek? At 4.04. <laughs>